Jesus didn't die to get us to heaven. He died to give us a life in him that is full and abundant. Welcome back to Faith and Culture. I'm Keith. I'm Drew. Have you ever tasted something so nasty that you instantly spit it out? Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you a story about my life. When I was little, we were headed home from a Chiefs game, me and a couple of my cousins and my uncle. And uh, one of my cousins shouted out, hey, there's a White Castle over there. Now, I'm little. I have no idea what White Castle is. And my cousin's raving about how good it is. So we pull into the drive-thru. He buys these, what are called sliders. And everybody gets one in the car. And he only pays, I think it was like a quarter a piece for something like this. And so right then is one sign, don't eat this. And then we uh, start pulling around there. He opens the bag as we're driving out of the drive-thru, and the smell in this whole car, the aroma was like gut-wrenching, like, hey, this should be signed too. Don't put this in your mouth and eat it. And then anyways, we call it to a stoplight, and I'm glad we're at a stoplight because I pull out this thing called a slider, and I take a bite of this thing. And it is a wet, soggy piece of meat that I'm biting into. And the instant I bite into it, all this yucky grease just oozes into my mouth. I start gagging right then and there. And so I throw the door open and instantly gag myself to get this thing out on the ground. And I just, it was time to leave. (laughs) There you go. Okay. That is very educational there. And disgusting at the same time. But the truth of the matter is that you do spit bad stuff out of your mouth. Yes, yes. I mean, that's that's yes. pretty much, if you put something nasty in your mouth, you'd spit it out. Education. Uh, that's educational. Okay. So now that you have your education, <clears throat> it speaks about what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Uh, in Revelations 3.15, we read these words. It says, I know the works. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Mm. So obviously nasty, right? Nasty. Okay. Not good. Uh, That's a strong statement. Why would God say something like this? Why would he spit anybody out of his mouth? Okay. So uh, I think the answer to it, is uh, simple when you combine some things together. And and those three things would be his will with his plan and his desire. All right. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about the Lord's will, plan, and desire. And I I believe that to understand Revelations chapter 3, 15, that particular verse there, uh, requires us to understand what the Lord has clearly prescribed as his plan, his will, his desire, which is a combination of John 15, where we are to abide in him, with John 10, where uh, he is, his desire is a, or his plan is a full life, with uh, what Paul is going to talk about in Romans chapter 12, and that is to present your bodies as a living sacrifice mm-hmm. to him. Mm-hmm. Well, even you can go Proverbs 19. Proverbs is the book of wisdom. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose to prevail. And even understanding God's will, desire, I mean, it's it's very true into these things. 
and even in Revelations 3.14. So when you read Scripture, and if you're learning what a Christian is, you don't want to just take one Scripture and just apply it to anything and everything. That can be very dangerous in your life. So you want to take the grouping of Scripture. And he's actually talking to Jesus in Revelations. is talking to church in Laodicea. We'll get into a whole background here. But in Revelations 3.14, which is only a couple verses um, just above this one here. Jesus refers to himself as the faithful and true witness. Jesus is reminding us in this part of Scripture right here, in this section of what we're reading, he's reminding us that whatever he has said is always true, always right. Now, the Greek word describing this is meaning source. And it's not like, oh, he's first and all these things. It's the source of what it comes from. Jesus saying he is the source. He's original truth. He's the creator. Meaning anything outside of God's will, anything outside of God's plan, anything outside of the desire of God is incorrect and actually falls off as something that is being spit out and bad. Okay. Which, like everything in the Bible, <clears throat> it's all connected. And, 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 you need to always remember that when you're studying the Bible, everything is connected. Uh, there, you don't take you know an isolated scripture, isolated truth, and and take off and build some kind of uh, theology out of it. You got to put it in balance because it's all connected. So let's build our case right here for why God would spit somebody out of their mouth. Um, look at John fifteen one. Jesus is speaking, and this is what he says. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he or does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, a lot of people like that last part, ask whatever you wish, you know. And like, yeah, you know, like God's just ready to give you anything. But the reality of it is, is God is ready to do so much more than we can imagine. But it's all connected to the abiding part, okay? So anyway, so Jesus uses a vine and branches, and he paints this clear picture of God's will, which is healthy branches producing fruit on the vine. Uh, that's his plan. That's spiritual health. Mm -hmm. That is abiding, staying connected to Jesus so that he is able to flow through you, and, and it's his flowing through us, that creates his health. The natural result, result of abiding in Christ is that his character is displayed in our lives. Can I ask a question really quick to help some of our listeners here, or viewers? Um, the word abiding, it's not meaning just to see, is it? It's meaning what? Well, it, it, back to what you said about Revelation, it's, it's the life source. Okay. Okay? You so have to be. Yes. It's just like when you take the branch off of... The tree, okay, or, or or the vine, whatever. If you if you remove that, it's dead. So it's not being close to it. It's not being around it. It's actually being a part of it's it. It's drawing wanna, your yeah. life source out of it. I want to see that connection there for other people. All right. So to not abide then is death. All right. The branch that comes off. Uh, you know, we had a storm recently. I had branches in my yard. 
Well, they were they they are in the yard because basically they were no longer getting the source. They had died. All right, um, they're headed for my my burn pile. That's not what God wants. But if you don't abide, then you become a dead branch. And uh, his will is is right the opposite of that. Uh, healthy Christians is what he wants, and and that is by living their life in him, with him as the source of everything. So I'm going to build on that with John 10.10. 10. Okay. It tells us that Jesus came so that we might have life more abundantly. There is living as in existing, okay? But then there is living a full life in Christ, an abundant life, it is more than just a lot of stuff, perfect health, uh, things like that. It's experiencing Jesus, his presence every day of your life. There is this mentality in the world that this and this and this and this makes my life better, full, happier. The truth of the matter is, is the wealthiest people who have basically everything that they want cannot know the abundance of life that you can have in Christ Jesus. And so Jesus, uh, I like to tell people this because I, I think it first sort of pops her, their, their balloon about things, but Jesus didn't die to get us to heaven. He died to give us a life in him that is full and abundant. That actually ties in with Revelations 3 right after that scripture about spitting this person out here, spitting the lukewarm out. And so the original passage of Revelations 3, Jesus right here behind this communicates the same thing you just said there uh, in verse 18. It's not about getting stuff. It's not about being rich in this world, but it's about your relationship with who Jesus is. See, Jesus says, buy white clothes to wear. Buy save for your eyes. Jesus isn't talking about buying Burberry or Ray-Bans for your eyes. He's saying white clothes means become pure. Wear purity. Wear me when you're around anywhere. Take me wherever you go. Wear that purity. He's saying, buy this, say for your eyes. See my word. And so he's saying, the word of God is not just reading the Bible, but letting that word soak in, letting that word speak to you, letting that word transform you, letting him take that presence in you. So it's seeing God face to face. And the word of God is Jesus. And so it's relational. You have to abide in that mindset like you're saying. Okay. And and so to that, let's let's you know correct a misconception. Okay, heaven <clears throat> isn't nearly about a place mm. as it is about the presence of God. All right, and so when we begin to understand that Jesus Christ, the Savior of our souls, the Creator of life, when we begin to understand that what He died to give us was not a ticket to get to heaven, but it was a relationship that starts right here on this earth with him where his presence abides with us and takes us all the way through this life until that moment when we are actually in his presence because I, I'm one of those people that say wherever he is, that's going to be my heaven, all right? So that's what I was going to ask, yeah. <laughs> yeah, wherever he is, that that's going to be heaven um, because... That's what he wants is this abundant life that never ends for me. So actually, so let me see if this is correct. 
salvation is a continuance, right? It's not just a one-time event. Though. It's right. like, oh, I'm saved. It's, it's the journey. It's the journey. So does that mean we experience a little bit of heaven through that journey all the way up until the end of time? I think, I think if you live abiding and close to Him, all right, uh, His presence is eternal. So you got some eternity going on every day, every on. every day that you are abiding and and entering into your time of being with Him. Uh, you have connected heaven and earth together because that's an eternal moment that God will know that you will know forever. That's cool. And so that's that's His plan right there. To sum it all up in one sentence, the plan of God is for us to be in perfect relationship with Him through Jesus Christ. Then. Exactly. That's the plan. Okay. Uh, and I would actually add to that, that in pursuit of that relationship. Because I've been a Christian a long time. See the gray hair? Um, the more that I have drawn to get closer to him, the more I find he is. Mm. And so it's like a continual revelation of his greatness of his glory of his plan of his blessings of everything that he has because you know it's not like you abide in the vine and then you get old and he doesn't need you anymore you abide in the vine and he continues to work with you producing more fruit producing more fruit producing more fruit so that your whole life is growth and production of who he is inside of you it's a glorious thing so that's the plan the desire is what? All right, let's get to that. Um, his desire, the application of all this, is given to us by Paul in Romans 12.1. We read this. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, by the time Paul writes this, okay, he has done basically what we've been talking about. He has uh, been a Christian for years. He has abided in Christ. He's been connected to the, the vine. He has lived an abundant life. God has done so many glorious things with him. Uh, and, and so his message, you might say, to the, to the Christians there was that all of this is because what? He presented himself regularly as a sacrifice. He's, he kept giving it all to God, putting it all on the altar, saying, I'm yours, do what you want to do. Um, Paul is basically showing us that that in, in reality, that is your worship to God. I mean, the truth of the matter is, is the only thing you can really give God is you. And the only thing he's ever wanted <laughs> is you. Uh, that ancient practice of you know offering an animal up on the altar... Okay. And uh, it, for you know, for hundreds of years, that's what people did. They offered up these animals as uh, sacrifices. And that's the Old Testament. And now Jesus is a sacrifice, right? Right. Jesus became that sacrifice. But but the thing is, is is what what a lot of people don't understand is they were a poor substitute hmm. because God never wanted the animals. He's always wanted us. That's what that's been the plan all along. He doesn't want a dead animal. He wants a living person who is giving themselves wholly to him. And that's the reason why he says it's a living sacrifice. 
He doesn't want some dead animal. He doesn't want, you know, you to just give an offering or whatever. He wants you to say, Lord, I wholly give my life. I'm going to live for you. It's always been his plan. And, you know, I think of, about it in comparison to my wife. We have wives. You know, my wife doesn't want a little bit of my heart. She doesn't want a little bit of my devotion. She, she you know, she expects a full commitment from me, uh, my whole heart. And uh, the truth of the matter is, is Jesus took upon himself the sins, the judgment. He took every nasty cruddy, foolish, stupid stuff I'd ever done. He bore it into him. And, and, then, and then what great joy he has when in response to that, I sort of climb up on that little altar and go, you know what, God, you gave me everything. I give you everything. And, and that is worship. That's him enjoying saying yes, yes, yes. I just want to ask one question with right. that, because I love the concept, and I love what he's done with that. Is this a choice, or is this something we make as a choice, or is this something that naturally happens? It's absolutely a choice, and it's a continual choice. Mm. Okay? I, I don't just put myself there and say, Lord, I'm holy yours. Uh, Paul talked about how that he crucified the flesh. Uh, it, it, it's a it's a constant thing that I keep reminding myself, Lord, I'm all yours, mm-hmm. because I, you know we get busy, we get things, life, and and distractions. It's so important that there's this there's this regular regularness where I'm coming back and I'm going, it's all yours, yeah. I'm all yours, um, and the thing about you know. You, Sometimes when people hear that word, you know, uh, present yourself as a living sacrifice. We we call it sacrificial living, right? Uh, and some people, you know, that that, that terminology is like, that's, you know, that doesn't sound good. The, the the reality of it is, is is it's only a sacrifice at first. Okay, you know, when I first came into the knowledge of Jesus Christ and what he's what he had done for me and how much he loved me and everything. Uh, there, there was an adjustment in my life of giving myself to him, you know. When the bad words came out of my mouth, I was like, oh, I can't do that. I, I shouldn't do that. Uh, those things that began, you know, when, when I started to tell a lie to cover up what I just, stupid thing I just done. Uh, those things, when, when all those things begin, you know, it's like, okay, no. <clears throat> and so in, in a way, in the beginning, it was quite a job to say, okay, God, I need to put my 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 lie in, my profanity, I need to put all that up here because it was going against what I had been like, how I lived, right? But once you begin to put your life and live your life on the altar, after a while you don't see it as a sacrifice. It becomes the only life you'd ever want to live. Mm. The satisfaction of being of abiding and being in Christ Jesus, you don't think about it like, oh, I got to sacrifice myself again today. No, you get up in the morning, you, you you have that time with the Lord, and you're like, here I am, God, it's all yours today. Let's go get them. Mm. A whole different mentality. 
becomes a passion. It does. And so, you know, the thing is, is the, the more I let go of my wants for me, the more I embrace his wants for me. And that's been the plan. That's the plan. Because everything changes. Uh, his wants for me are greater. They are more encompassing than what I want. My, my wants become really petty. Oh, I just want a better job and more money. That becomes so petty in light of eternity when God's like, yeah, but I, I, I want you to advance my kingdom. What a big difference. And so when I begin to literally let go of my wants, which is what that sort of that sacrifice is, you know, when you put that animal up there, no animal wanted to be up there on that altar. That mm. was death. But when I, as a living sacrifice, put myself before the Lord, and I go, you know, God, it's not about my wants. It's your wants for me. And then I begin to realize there is this abundance in God I never dreamed of, that I could not even begin to comprehend. I want to say, Charles Spurgeon says this, the grace that does not change my life will not change my soul. It's the sacrifice that does not change my life. The sacrifice won't save my soul. That sacrifice won't save my soul. All right. I like the same concept there. All right, so let's get back to where all this thing started. We began with the subject matter of you know God spitting this lukewarm out of his mouth. Um, and so I, I, I would really want you to grasp that God has his great plan, his will, and his desire to bless and give you a fullness that you would have never, never known without him, all right? If you're not a Christian then the Holy Spirit works upon your heart and uh, begins to you know, reveal to you that you need Him, that your sins are displeasing. If you are a Christian, then you are producing the character of Christ. So if I'm, if I'm over here cold, I am basically, you know, somebody that God's trying to reach. He's trying to, to show me that he has a plan, that he loves me. If I am a Christian, then I'm over here on the other end, and I, I, I'm beginning to understand his will, his plan, his love. If I'm in the middle, I'm this guy that calls myself a Christian, but I live like a sinner. I, I, I can talk about a few biblical things, but my heart is nowhere close to him. Okay? If if that's the life that I'm living, then I am deceived. I am undesirable. I'm nasty. <laughs> now, before you blow a gasket and go, well, that's just terrible. Let's get real. It was nasty. You spit it out. All right. Some people like warm milk. Some people like cold milk. I'm a cold milk person. But what do you do if the milk is sour? Spit it out. You spit it out. Yeah. You pour your glass and you and you spit it out. 
why should we think that God is really any different? He's trying to reach the lost, and he's absolutely working his plan inside of those that love him. But that person in there that's in the middle, that doesn't see the need for God because they think they know God, and yet they don't know God, and in, in, in essence, they're rejecting God because they're calling him their savior, but they're not giving them, giving him their life. And I hate to say it, but when you get to the Bible right here, bottom line is, as God says, it does not work that way. And he and he says that I, I'm spitting that out. I'm I'm not that's not sound in any form or fashion. And so, you know, hey guys. What we hope to always be doing here is speaking the truth in love. And no matter how harsh it may sound sometimes, we've tried to show you in the Bible, that's not his will, his plan, or his desire. And, and so if you want the truth, the truth is you, there's not a middle road. There is not a, you know, I can, I can live Christianity my way. No, you can't. God says, that's just nasty. I'm not putting up with it. Ouch. It hurts, but it's true. All right. Uh, I'm Keith. I'm Drew. Uh, this is Faith and Culture. If you uh, feel like you're being told the truth and you have an appreciation for uh, some topics that we've been looking at, please like us, tell your friends about us, and uh, join us next time. When we come back the next time on our episode... Uh, we're going to shift gears a little bit. We're going to be talking about discovering our identity in Christ. I think it's going to be really interesting. Hope you'll come back and join us again. Till then, God bless. <laughs>